Greetings. This is Regina Roundtree with YouAreRemarkable.org, and you are listening to Mental Health 101, Lessons from a Survivor. We are having great, transparent, and profound discussions on the Clubhouse app, so please join us under the Kingdom Collaborative House every Thursday night at 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, let's get into our conversation. I can read later, but what I do want to do is turn the room over to Genesis. So Genesis, the floor is yours. Thank you, Regina. Hello to everyone in the room. You did a great job at, um, you know, explaining how this is going to flow because I think people are going to see this as a very different room, right? I just wanted to explain a little bit of my background and um, why Regina has, I guess, asked, you know, (laughs) Ken and Regina have asked me to participate and to um, support. So I am a licensed therapist. I've been doing therapy as a second career for me. I've been doing therapy uh, professionally for 10 years. I have a master's in marriage, couples, and family counseling. So I do individuals. I also see couples, um, married and not, and I also see families. So um, my, and also in my background, I have worked with people with all various um, challenges within mental health. So everything from um, anxiety and depression to personality disorders to Um, brain disorders, traumatic brain injuries, um, ADHD, bipolar with psychosis, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder. So I have a wide array of um, experience in mental health. Um, I want to, you know, mental health and kingdom um, tends to be pretty interesting, right? Because, um, you know, in the past, we've looked at mental health as something very secular, and it was, right? And in some ways it still is, but there are kingdom people that God has anointed right in this field as he has in every other field. So I love this work, um, not to, you know, put too much about me, but I do have my own, um, mental health struggles that I've had my entire life, which has directed me towards this area. And it is definitely by way of God, I was doing very well in corporate America and, um, he sent me over here. Right. So, um, I love the work that I do because it is about healing. I am a healer. Okay. And so it is clear for me that God wants me to heal, help, help heal people's hearts, heal people's emotions. And that's why I'm in this business. Um, so, Regina, can I go ahead, if that's okay, and describe the diagnosis that we're going to be talking about and, and start the interview from there? Is that, is that comfortable for you? Yeah, that's great. And so um, what I've asked uh, Genesis to do is to interview me um, when about my previous diagnoses that I've had. And the reason that I I wanted to put it this way is so that I'm just not talking and running on and on, but I do want you to understand um, where I'm coming from, right? And the transparency that I'm willing to share with you. And so if you have questions, you know, about my journey, the diagnosis, please go ahead and put those in the chat and ask. But this mental health 101 is not just for me to talk about my journey. Right. It is to talk about the framework that I have found walking this out, 
how my experiences have been, how the word of God has applied and just factual situations as we go along. And so the team is here because they're gonna add value, they're gonna ask questions. And the greatest thing that you can do is if you're not understanding uh, or you want me to repeat it or be clear, uh, please uh, say that, right? Because put it in the chat or, or put up a question mark or something on your PTR so that this can be really informative. Um, so we continue to do this, you know, for weeks to come. This is not just a special like May only room. And what I hope that you understand is although I had a very specific diagnosis, the things that I'm going to talk about will be applied to anybody, right? Whether you have a depression, postpartum depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, stress and anxiety, whether you're diagnosed, not diagnosed, if you are if you love someone who's been diagnosed or you think should be diagnosed, right? And I just believe, and I think we all here in this room believe that the way that kingdom principles work, it is true for everybody in every situation. And even if you are an abuser or have been the abuser, there is healing and there's restoration for you. So um, Genesis is just gonna help with kind of understanding what DID is, um, just so that you can have an idea of where I'm coming from as I'm sharing and talking and as you're asking questions. So go ahead, Genesis. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Regina. So I would like to um, just give a brief sort of description of dissociative identity disorder, which is the diagnosis that uh, Regina is referring to. So I'll give you an introduction and symptoms of this disorder, right? And then we're going to go into um, me asking her some questions that will describe her journey and beyond. So let me just, and, and I, I guess we both, we both expect, and we all expect you guys to have questions because this is not, this is not a diagnosis that is widely understood, um, by the public. So I would, I would anticipate you guys are going to have a lot of questions. So basically dissociative identity, identity disorder. Um, it used to be called multiple personality disorder, right? And it's one of several dissociative disorders. The key um, element in this diagnosis is really the presence of at least, at least two distinct and separate personalities within one individual, okay? So although multiple personalities and sometimes called, well, mostly called alters, multiple personalities or alters exist within one person, only one is manifested at one time. And each has its own memories, its own behaviors, and its own life preferences, okay? So um, at least two of these identities can take control of a person's behavior and actions at any given time, all right? So I do wanna talk about some of the symptoms that are associated with dissociative identity disorder, okay? Most commonly observed symptoms are the inability to recall large memories of childhood. Now, I wanna say this, um, if anybody, as I'm reading these symptoms, if anybody's like, you know, uh-oh, that sounds like me, okay? I want you to feel safe enough to um, just, you know, send me a back channel and I will, I will talk with you. I do, I cannot give advice, therapists don't give advice anyway, 
but um, I will certainly be able to care for you and to point you in the right direction. So I want you to feel comfortable and, and safe about that because, you know, some of these you may have experienced. And if you have questions, I want to be there for you. So inability to recall large memories of childhood, okay? Lack of awareness of recent events. And if they do remember, it could be the inability to explain them. For example, not being able to explain how someone got somewhere. Regina talks about how you're riding in a, you know, you can drive in a car and forget the entire drive. Like, oh my God, this, it's been 20 minutes and I don't even remember how I got here, okay? Or how someone acquired a possession. Like, where's where did I get this watch from, okay? Um, lost time or frequent memory loss. Flashbacks or suddenly sudden return of memories. Feelings of disconnection or detachment from body or thoughts. Hallucinate, I'm sorry, hallucinations or voices. So-called out-of-body experiences. Self-harm or suicidal thoughts. Sometimes changes in handwriting. Functional changes from nearly disabled to highly functioning. Less commonly observed manifestations um, observed within uh, people with DID, we'll use DID instead of saying it all, the entire thing, mood swings or depression, anxiety, nervousness, panic attacks or phobias, eating and food issues, so food disorders, um, eating disorders, unexplained sleep disorders, headaches or general body pain, and sometimes sexual issues, sex addiction, sex avoidance, and so on, okay? So that's sort of the, um, the main idea and the main description of what someone who has been diagnosed with disorder experiences, okay? Regina, did you wanna say anything before I start um, interviewing you? Because I think you know it's time for us to see uh, what your journey has been like. No, I'm good. Okay, go let's go then. So can you tell me, can you briefly share um, what happened to you? What happens in your life that caused trauma that ultimately led to this diagnosis? Certainly. Um, I'm going to say that I'm going to give a very Cliff Notes of Cliff Notes version of this. Um, if you click on the link above and go to the about me section about Regina, I have a video that I recorded. It's on YouTube <clears throat> and, uh, I talk about it for 45 minutes. I get a little bit more in depth, but for the sake of time, um, what I will just give. So when, um, my mom got here from Jamaica, she's from Jamaica. Uh, she didn't know anyone and she uh, met my father. My father had, uh, this is um, in the 70s, late 60s, because I was born in 1970. <clears throat> so my father had um, recently been released from jail. He was a convicted pedophile. So in the early, late 60s, 70s, that's, that's saying something. Because, you know, families keep secrets, right? And we don't tell. Um, and we kind of hide things or will we'll do. But has my half-sister, uh, he had gotten her pregnant, and so he had gone to jail. Um, but when uh, she met my dad, obviously my mom didn't know anything about that, and the family never told her. 
And so when she had a, a baby girl, no one still told her anything. And so um, during that time, my mom, she cleaned houses. So she would leave me in his care. He had a, a mechanic shop. And so she would leave me at the mechanics because, you know, why pay babysitter when you can, you know, leave the child with their father? And they had, they didn't get married until I was much later, like a teenager. Uh, so um, he sexually abused me there. Um, we probably now would call it trafficking in the sense that he shared me with his friends or associates. I, I say friends, but they could have been as just associates. And, um, and so uh, one of his associates had a, a particular um, uh, interest in, um, in the occult. So um, this particular person uh, got me as a child involved in satanic ritual abuse. So I was witness to other children being abused, to um, the chanting, the sacrifices, the killing of animals, um, those type of things. Uh, now we are finding out that uh, that's, of course, that still happens, but um, they're learning that in these cults, they're actually traumatizing the children so that they will fracture. Um, because when you're fractured, um, other parts of you hold the memory. And um, so the way that um, I moved through life um, because of that trauma would be um, that I would split or, I, you know, it's not something that I consciously know you don't consciously like make a decision that I'm going to do this, but your psyche wants to protect you. So um, child A will call it pain. Pain will take the trauma and then um, child B uh, I'll call her happy. Happy would live at home because you still had to live with your abuser or see your abuser or you, you didn't want anyone to know. Well, then maybe child student would go to school because child pain was in too much fear and child happy was just tired from being happy. And so child student would go to school. But then when you went to church, it was a different expectation. So you would have the church girl, she would go to church. And um, then what would happen is if you being abused again, child pain might not be able to take all of it. So they would split and another child would take the pain. And so having uh, repetitive abuse happen, you could keep splitting all the time because there's, I mean, how much trauma, fear and pain can, can the mind handle now? Um, as you said, DID is not uh, regularly diagnosed. It's, they say that it's rare. Um, and what I believe that even with some child trauma that many people have experienced, those who don't split, um, they usually, uh, you'll find them in psych wards. Um, you will find them roaming the streets. You will find that they don't survive long, they take their life because just being overwhelmed by not having some place to put the pain, the memories and the ideas. So what would happen though is I could have 15 children called pain one, pain two, pain three, if you will, but I don't remember it. 
So the core of me is tucked away somewhere and who's ever front in the, at the time, that's who's at front. And so I would, that's how you kind of move through life. And I'll give an example in that, um, I talk about the fact that I have been married and divorced three times. And if you were to meet my ex-husbands, you would not like, there's nothing common about them. Like I didn't have a type and that's because a different personality married that man. And, um, even to the point of forgetting things is that I remembered, um, in the second marriage, I was going through, you know, a junk box where you store things. And I found a wedding album from my first marriage and the wedding date was the same. And I had not remembered that I had gotten married on the same date, but I got married the second. And you know, the thing is the family doesn't say anything to you. None of your friends say anything to you. Like, isn't that kind of odd? Like, why would you pick the same day? But that's because someone else had gotten married and someone else was living the life during the second. So it is, that is how it started for me. And then it, it progressed and, and other things happened, but that's, that's how it started and played out. Ooh, okay, Regina, that, uh, you know, for just listening to that, you know, um, it's heavy. I, you know, I'm going to say that and, you know, people may be feeling that. So I just wanted to acknowledge that it's heavy. Um, how, how were you diagnosed, right? Because you had mentioned, you know, I've been doing research on this as well, right? And so it's, I think it's like you were implying that it's more prevalent than what is um, widely understood. And one of the things that I found in the research was that it because the, the symptoms mimic different mental health issues, right? Like PTSD and like, um, you know, anxiety and all of those things. So how were you ultimately diagnosed with this disorder? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so once in my mid twenties, it was, um, it was after the first divorce before, before the second marriage. And, um, I just, I wasn't, I found myself in behaviors and things that weren't normal for me. Cause I, I, I had gotten saved, but when I was 13, I had been in Christian schools. Uh, I knew God I had memorized scripture knew those things. Um, but I just felt like, you know what, something's not right. Maybe I should talk to somebody. And so I found a Christian counselor who worked on a sliding scale and I went to her and through the course of talking with her, she asked me to start journaling. And I was like, okay, you know, I can do that. So I would be journaling and, but I would never read my journals. Um, I wouldn't read them, but I would just, I would write, in the book. And then one time she asked me to bring the book to a counseling session. And so when I brought the book to counseling session, I gave it to her and she looked through it. And then she's asked me if I had read them and I was like, no. And uh, so she began to show me the pages and you could see the different handwriting. You could tell the different voices and the different tones that were coming through. And I was floored. I mean, I was like, that's a lie. I mean, I couldn't say it was a lie because it was my book. I lived by myself. 
I knew she didn't swap it out. So I knew that it was me, but complete total denial. So I'm like, yeah, no way. No, I'm not doing this. Um, and for a while I didn't go back to her. And then I was like, you know, maybe I should try to, to look at this because I, I would read the book and I would look at it and I'd be like, who is that? And what are you talking about? Um, so I went back again for a little while and then I stopped and I would go on and off to see her and I eventually stopped and I didn't want to deal with it. Went on with life. Um, it was after the third divorce, um, that, uh, I, I realized even throughout the, the course of that marriage that the, my husband at the time, I guess, you know, I was getting into my forties and I was trying to get settled with myself and my life. And I, I realized that it wasn't settled and I was really ready to start unpeeling. You know, I think that sometimes when we're in traumatic situations, we choose chaos in relationships so that we can hide. Because if, if I'm so busy taking care of your chaos, no one will see me. No one will look at my issues. And so, um, at this point now, there was, there was just no hiding. And um, so I went to counsel, I found counseling, I did some uh, research on it. I had moved out of the state by then and um, we were still married so I had insurance under him. Um, and at first I was looking at just Christian counseling and there was a, there's an organization there out in Washington state uh, and this one particular woman, she she had gotten out of uh, satanic ritual abuse. In fact, her whole family was involved in that. I mean, she was, they were steeped in it. And she had gotten out and uh, she had started a ministry of ministering to people who were getting out and their family members helping them get out. And uh, they had a counseling session. I'm not a counselor. They had, she had a conference actually, which was in the same state that I had moved to. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go because I, I want to understand this. I want to know what's going on with me. And, but they had recommended, you know, if you're not a good place in your healing, because the, the meeting was really more for counselors and leaders who were counseling people and not so much survivors. And they said, you know, if you're going to come, make sure you bring someone with you. And I did have a friend who came with me and um, I couldn't make it through the half, first half day session. I was so traumatized by, and they weren't talking about graphic things. It was just, she was just talking about just having a conversation. Like these are things that happened and here's the things you think. And man, it was like a whole firestorm. It's like people inside my head were having a whole fit and we, I just had to leave. So that's when I, I found a Christian counselor who, um, would accept the insurance that I had and it worked out great. And I saw her had really great, um, therapy. Uh, and, but the thing was, is that, um, the insurance, once the divorce was final, the insurance was over. So, and I couldn't afford to keep seeing her. And so by then I had to really figure this out with me and God, but I knew now I was really clear on what it was, what was going on, what was happening. And so once I could identify it, then I could bring it to him. And that really began my journey of healing. And that continued on even when I went to Vietnam, as I was in Vietnam for four and a half years. So a lot of healing happened over there. But that's how the diagnosis happened.
Okay. Um, with this, you have mentioned that we're going to be doing this room, right, for way past the mental health uh, month of May. But so we have many more sessions to discuss your, your entire journey. But can you give us an overview of how the church influenced your life and what led you to the framework of mental health that dominates? Can you tell us about that? Certainly. Um, <clears throat> what I would like to do is if anyone has a question that they want to ask me, um, you know, you can put it in the chat or um, send it to Genesis or Felicia or King Ken and, um, you know, they'll um, pose the question. Yes. Um, so for those new people who just came into the room, let me just reset really quickly what's going on. <laughs> so <clears throat> you are joining our first of many, the Mental Health 101. And what we're going to be discussing here is how um, the framework of scriptures are able to bring healing and strength to you as you're walking through. Now, whether you are a victim, a survivor, whether you are a supporter, and when I say supporter, I mean you you yourself love someone who is struggling with a mental health disorder and you could not be diagnosed. And there are people who are just, maybe you're having stress or you had a mental breakdown, a nervous breakdown, and you, you're looking for uh, solutions or you know someone that has, right? So this is what we'll be discussing in this room. And um, there, this is what we'll be discussing in this room. So um, the way we've structured is, is that Genesis is going to interview me in the beginning, just so that you can get some of my journey. And then we're going to begin to dialogue about faith and about kingdom principles and about scripture, right? So that um, you can see how this can be applied, how you can walk this out. Because it, it's one thing, you know, and I'm going to get to, to Genesis question about the church, right? And some, you know, what has happened and not happened in the church. And this is not a church slamming session, um, but just talking about that. And then we're going to shift into um, this framework that, um, that God, our creator has given me to share with you as we walk through and learn to understand and learn how to help others, you know, understand how to apply the scriptures for healing and to strengthen you. So that's this room. Um, please ask questions and um, yeah, just it's okay to ask questions. <laughs> so um, to Genesis third uh, interview question to me was how has my experience with the church been? Um, so gosh, we, we could spend hours on that. Um, but I want to say that, uh, most of the time it was looked upon that I had demons and it's, it's not even that I, there was no drug addiction. There was no addiction of any kind. I wasn't angry or a mean person. Um, I was easy to talk to. Um, but you know, people, would look at me in particular prophets and say, you know, I, I see this, or, 
you know, the intercessors would be like, God told me, you know, that you have demons. And I've been through my fair share of being called up to in front of the church and being put on the floor and uh, people standing around praying for me and, and telling me to speak in tongues and putting oil on my head and laying hands and praying and, you know, um, and I'd wake up, wake up, I'd come out of it feeling like, okay, I guess that just happened. Um, maybe I'm different, but inside I knew that I wasn't. And, um, and I would cry. And for a long time, my prayer would be, Father, just take me home. I just want to come home. I don't want to be here anymore because if you can't deliver me from these demons that people say that I have, why would you keep me here? Right? Um, and so, you know, you have some friends, but very few. And it always seemed that I could be somewhere and someone would see a demon. You know, and again, it, it is it is not that there was something outward about me. I dressed conservatively, you know, I wasn't flirtation, you know, so it was just and no doubt. I mean, would I say that there were um, that there were some things that need to be delivered? Yes. But would I say that that is the core of everything that was going wrong? Absolutely not. And, and could there have been a better way to handle it? Sure. But they were uninformed. I mean, if if psychology and the, the psychiatric world in and of itself was very uninformed about uh, mental health, definitely the church was and definitely leaders were. So that is um, a very difficult place um, for me. But I loved the word of God. I loved to study. I was always at conferences. Um, you know, I remember when John Eckhart first came out with his book about the apostolic. I mean, Mark Sharona was my God. I loved Mark Sharona. And he used to teach about the Shunammite woman, if anyone followed Mark Sharona. So I'm dating myself, right? Because I'm 53, right? So Mark Sharona, I remember when Joyce Meyer came out with Beauty for Ashes, right? So I, I moved through the church world. I moved through faith and yet somehow I was able to not be an individual who was angry with God. Um, and I was able to, but that's not always the case. I, I had my moments with him. Um, but I speak about us now in a different way because my relationship with him now is different. And so I think these are some of the things that I want to talk about. And so as we start to talk now and get into, you know, how do, when good things happen to bad people, I mean, when bad things happen to good people and we have a good God and we have this scripture and he's a healer and he's a deliverer, you know, and um, we can cast out demons and we can do these things, but yet you are still sorrowful you are still depressed. So I think the first place that I want to do is start in Isaiah. But what I want to do is just stop and let the platform, you know, make some comments or thoughts that come to you. And then I would love to hear if anyone in the audience has questions or things that they want to share. would love to hear that as well. So 
uh, let's just go around Robin. We'll start with Genesis, Felicia, and then King Ken. So please, uh, you know, share some thoughts. And it doesn't it doesn't need to be about how what I've gone through as much as you know what are you thinking as you hear this, right? So the other people don't feel like they're alone. <laughs> sure. Um... Honestly, what I'm thinking as I hear this is I, I definitely want to learn more, okay, Regina, about this experience with the church that you had. And be, because there is this thing with mental health and the church and um, the, I guess, the, um, the understanding or the perspective that sometimes mental health is demonic. Right. And so there is this fine line of, of trying to understand how to deal with people who do have severe and persistent mental health issues. So I'm looking forward to more of you talking about that. But um, right now, I just think you're doing an excellent job of describing this journey. Right. And so um, I'm just proud of you. And I'm and I'm just you know, I'm here. I'm here to support. So good job. Go ahead, Felicia. Yes, Genesis, this is amazing. Um, I love, 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 love the transparency. Oh, it's so needed. Um, but I, I just, I love what you said a while ago, how you were saying that uh, you went through all of this and you managed to not be angry at God. And that just further, you know, confirms to me listening to you that not only did God set you aside, you were chosen. You know, this was something that he gave you the strength to be able to do it as he has done with many of the leaders in the Bible and many of the people in the Bible that we read about. You often think, how did they get through that? How did they make it? That was, that seems so hard, you know, when you're looking from the outside in. And I'm sure that it probably was for you. I'm, I'm sure that it, it was, you know, but at the same time, the grace upon your life, you know, and that just really like that stood out to me when you said that, because I have often felt, you know, through the things, through the mental uh, illnesses that I've have had to deal with, I've felt like you before, like, you know, I, why am I, why do I have to go through this? Like, why can't, why does this have to happen to me? And, you know, I'm just so tired. And, you know, you would just think all these things, you know, you just want out. But God has another purpose. God has uh, something else. And even though we don't understand it right then and there, doesn't mean it's not happening. So thank you so much for sharing. I too am very proud of you. And I just think that it's just so amazing. And I thank you for the transparency. Yeah, I'm as the visionary of this room, uh, as you know, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people know we have a lot of different rooms in this place, but um, I have to say, for me, um, this is a room that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm like uh, a Queen Genesis. I'm learning some things that I never knew before, and that's a good place to be in, um, forever learning, forever growing. Um, I, I really appreciate the professionalism as um, of, of this room. Um, how everything's laid out and how you've done things, uh, Regina, and even just bringing the, 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 the small team together 
um, of moderators, you know, carefully selecting them because uh, they all got a, uh, you know, we've got a couple of that are advocates of mental health. We've got one qualified therapist. I'm just the visionary of the room that accommodated this room. But I'm just so thankful for what I've heard so far. Um, I also love your, your attitude um, and the fact that you overcame um, all this and you had to go through so many tests and trials that created a character uh, in you uh, where we're starting to witness and, and, and now we can be part, partake of uh, what you're doing and, and how you want to do these rooms. Uh, when you first came to me, um, I, I kind of thought about it and when you, your professional approach is why I agreed to do these rooms and I'm so glad that I did because, you know, bringing Genesis on with the qualifications in this area, yourself an advocate for 10 years, and also Felicia, and um, and having uh, uh, Pastor Derek as as the uh, as um, someone's going to come in scripturally give scriptural um, support and backup. Um, I, I think collectively, um, I see I see I see a lot, and it's not about the number, but I see a lot of people are going to get a lot of value for what you have to share and everybody else. But um, this has just been such a a, a powerful room. Um, you know, I, I keep saying one room is the best room, but I've only been, this is the first room that we've done. And uh, just the way you've done things. And I've actually learned a lot from how you, you have, how this room has even started off and how you prepared and you got us all together. Uh, I've just learned a lot just, just by uh, participating with the whole um, three, four, four, five people. So I, I, as a visionary of the room, I'm just really excited about the future um, of this room. And I know we can, it can only get better. And uh, I, uh, I, I can't say anymore. I'm blown away, really. Um, I'm here on, 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 you know, seeing family uh, because my brother's passed away over a year ago. And, but even in the midst of it, I wanted to be here. So uh, I'm just feeling so blessed uh, that we've had this room. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Jehovah be praised. He, if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for him. <clears throat> I noticed that our audience is like absolutely super duper quiet. <laughs> so I'm not sure if like I scared you. Well, you're still here, you know, or you're just in like shock. Um, but <laughs> hopefully you'll talk or say something or, you know, ask a question. Um, but so let's, let's kind of get into one or two of the things that I've used that I think, um, help us in, um, in identifying. And so if you have a question, please put it in the chat or comment. Um, and we will, we'll definitely read those. And if we, if we can't understand it, we'll bring you up. Um, we're going to try that format. And if it seems like really awkward, we're open to feedback, you know, as far as maybe just bringing you up to ask the question, then we'll put you back down in the audience. So if it seems awkward to type and you really would prefer to come and just say your question, uh, please let us know that we are also open to change, right? This is our first time. We're trying to figure out what's the best flow uh, for everybody, because we've all been in rooms where one person gets the mic and it's like 10 minutes later and you you love them, but you're like, oh, please. So we don't want that to happen here. 
Um, so we're open to seeing how this can work. Um, Isaiah 26 is where I want to start. And so this whole framework for um, mental health that mandates, that dominates, um, comes from my love for Exodus. When in my early 20s, I can remember I used to work at a radio station and I used to work the third, the third shift. And um, I don't know if any of you have been in a radio station or, but there used, we used to have these really big like tapes. And what they would do is they would be shows from other broadcasts or whatever. So you would hear something, but there's nobody really live in the studio, right? It's recorded. And so there were different tape, like a track tapes that you had to put in or these big, like, uh, like movie reel machines that you would, you would put the tape in cause it's already been formatted and it could run for hours and all the commercials were on there and all the shows, all they needed was somebody there to make sure nothing happened, you know, or if you needed to put in a different tape, you could do that. And so I would do that. And then they had this big conference room. And so I would go in the conference room and I would bring um, all my Bible history, uh, Old Testament studies. I mean, I had like two bags of books that I would lug around with me. And at night I would read and I would study the lands, the tribes where people came from. This is in my early twenties because there was something about the story of Exodus and deliverance that clung to me. Um, and I always thought that I would write a book about it, you know, back then and, uh, about Exodus, your Red Sea crossing, you know, after deliverance, then what? That was my title, right? After deliverance, then what? And I guess it took me 30 years to figure out that then what, <laughs> all right? <laughs> so here we are now you know, and I'm having this discussion with you about the then what. So on the link for you are remarkable. There's an opportunity for you to download this free quick reference guide that I created, which I think is really beautiful. Although no one on the platform has read it yet, but that's okay. I still love all of you. Um, <laughs> I, I created this little um, quick reference thing that, that um, takes you through these like five keys, five keys of, of mental health that dominates. Right. And so, um, so the five keys are the five things that you would need to do is one, you, you have to cleanse the wound, right? Number two is you have to treat the wound. Number two, number three is then you need to insulate and bulletproof, right? Number four is you need to have a maintenance plan. And then number five talks about introspection and accountability. And so in this little quick reference guide that I created, it kind of has these, and it's, so it's like a little map of how we're going to move through these conversations. Right. And, um, and so you can download it for free so you can reference it, but then you can stay in touch with me because I'll send out newsletters and pretty soon we'll have seminars and there'll be books and, and all sorts of things. And I want you to stay connected and, to be able to share it with other people in your life. So, um, yes, share it with other people in your life. So, um, 
the mental health that dominates um, came from my then what? You know, after you got delivered, then what? What do you do next? Um, and so before we get into that, and we actually start in Genesis, because that really is the foundation of understanding what is dominion. Sometimes we hear the word dominate and we think that, you know, that's someone putting their foot on your neck and it's about uh, ruling aggressively or fiercely and making people slaves. But when you look at dominion as described in Genesis 1, 26, 27, you understand that dominion, the way that God spoke about it, was over the plants, the animals, and the earth. He never said that they would have dominion over each other, right? Because he wanted to make man in our own image, in my image, let them have. And then they would, they are to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. And so what I began to understand is that dominion is that we are able to speak with our words, let there be, and all of creation will move on our behalf to fulfill those words. And then when we are done, we can look at it and say, it is good. Because that's what God did. We're made in the image and likeness of him. And so when he was talking about dominion, when you, when you read it, it always says that he, the earth sprang forth, the earth brought forth, the waters brought forth, right? And so it was already within the water, already within the land to bring forth the things that you needed. And having dominion, you know, because we have cars and microwaves and things like that, we probably don't really understand the idea of having dominion over plants and animals and the earth. But then if you couldn't tame that, you would die right? If you can't take the resources of the earth and feed yourself, feed your family, clothe yourself, cover yourself, be able to tame the ground so that you could plant crops, you know, um, irrigate your land. If you couldn't have dominion over that, you would die. And that was the only thing you had to survive. They, they didn't have polyester and wool and linen suits. And I mean, they didn't have that. So to have dominion over that environment is really key. And so we may read it now and be like, oh, yeah, dominion, great. But really, no, <laughs> dominion is the ability to speak to your environment and have it produce for you. Because um, microwave was always there. Radio, television was, radio waves were always there. The internet was always, we are just discovering it quantum leaps, quantum, all of that stuff was always there. It's not some new, dis well, it's a new discovery for us, but it's not newly created. So understand that everything in your environment that you need is um, exactly created and already in your environment. All you need to do is speak to it. And when I began to understand the power of words, because there was a time when, when all I could do was like read Genesis 1 and get stuck in that chapter. 
because there was so much in there about creation. And I, I began to realize that if I wanted to think like my creator, if I wanted that authority, I needed to think and understand like him. And so I began to just study and stay in Genesis chapter one and let him reveal to me and unfold to me the beauty and the secrets of understanding what dominion is and how we can speak to our world so that the things that we want would come forward and not the things that we don't want. And I understand why people say, don't say my diagnosis and my this and I have this. Like I get that and we'll talk about that and we'll work into those things, you know, um, because it's gradual. And we're going to talk about dominion and get into, into the whole framework, right? Because even if you get stressed at the end of the day, there's a way to roll that off of you without going to an addiction, without going to another crutch, right? And some of us, it, it is, and there's nothing wrong with a glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with a bowl of ice cream, right? There's nothing wrong with going out for a run or sit, taking a walk in nature, Right? We do those things to roll stress away, to cleanse us. But sometimes it's all we can do. It, it is, it is, uh, it, sometimes it's not good for just one cup of ice cream. We got to eat the whole container. And we need to buy and overmax our credit cards, you know, and we need to drink until we can fall asleep, right? And we need the drug to help us wake up in the morning, right? And you can have a crutch and still be very functional because I was very functional. Um, as you guys get to know me and as I talk more about things, you'll see I was very high functioning. I could, I could go into a place and, and end up being a manager within a year or two because I was very focused, but I also had, you know, I had an office girl. That's what I called her when I realized who she was, she was office girl. Because she had no emotions, she had you know no connection or, or interest in anything else but being the best at whatever it was was put before her, and she could do that. And so I could I could climb the ladder anywhere, but then I would find that I would get bored and I would leave. I realize now that I think what was really going on, right? For those of you who job hop a lot, um, <laughs> what was really going on was that. I think my alters thought that we might be found out, right? Because when you start to get comfortable with people, don't you let your guard down, you know, and you relax. And so what would happen is if someone had a conversation with me and they, they came back a week later and said something and maybe office girl wasn't the one who answered them, then there would be a problem, you know, and then it's like, oh man, you know, it's time to leave. What was that movie? Catch me if you can. Right. <laughs> Where, you know, it was kind of the idea like you're always you're always faking it and doing something until you think you're going to get caught or found out and then you leave. Right. And so I was notorious for having all sorts of different jobs, but even though I did it well, exceptionally well in them, but I would always leave, you know, before I think what I realize now is that before I got found out that, you know, I was uh, a fake. And so back to the, the stronghold of dominion. Right. Um, before we can really launch into that, it's going to be imperative that we have trust. When 
you have been hurt, whether it was childhood trauma, whether it was, you know, a boyfriend cheated on you, a spouse betrayed you, um, your job fired you, to whatever degree that trust was broken for you, somehow we pass that on to our relationship with our creator, right? And we get into these spaces where, um, you know, we're not able to, to trust him. And so there's this uh, scripture in Isaiah 26. I'm going to read one through three, but verse three, one through four, but verse three is where I want us to focus on. So I'm going to read from the KJV. So I'm in verse one, Isaiah 26. In that day, shall the song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so when I was searching for peace, I would, I would look for the word peace. And I had come across this scripture and I would quote it all the time. And I really recommend you want to see your mental health improve drastically even if you think you're mentally healthy and you want to be stronger, um, memorize scripture, memorize scripture. Cause that is Psalms one, right? Meditate day and night. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, and I'm quoting this, I'm not reading it. <laughs> they are like the chaff with the wind driveth away. You know, so there is, there is power in that and and we'll move towards understanding that even more but i challenge you to start memorizing scripture and so what i realized is that i wanted to be in perfect peace not just any kind of peace i needed perfect peace and so i needed my mind to be stayed on him <laughs> the problem is is that i had quite a few different minds and so how 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 was i going to how was I going to obey this? How was I going to keep this? And I think sometimes that what we try to do is solve the problem for God. When he never, he didn't ask us to do that. He just asked me to keep my mind stayed on him. And he would be responsible for keeping me in perfect peace. <clears throat> do you see that? It says, thou, God will keep him, me, in perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on thee. But the only way I can do that is because I trust in thee. And so it's like the trust has to come first before I will keep my mind stayed on him. Because if I don't trust him that he can protect me, that he cares about me, that he loves me, I'm not going to believe his word. You all know you're in a relationship. And if you think the guy that you like or the woman that you like or the friend that you have is lying to you that you can't trust them, you're not going to believe their words. You're not going to allow them to hold money for you. You know, you're not going to sign them as someone to, to take care of you should you get in an accident. 
So trust is so important. It's so vital. It's so key. You want peace. You've got to trust. But the thing is, you may say, I don't have good examples of trust in my life. Everybody has hurt me. But that that's not the creator though. Right? And if I could do anything tonight, it would be tell you that he is worthy to be trusted. And I love how Isaiah begins this chapter. He says, in that day, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. And that's who you are. Like you want to be strong and you want salvation to be your walls and your protection. That's what he's talking about. He want, you are that strong city. You want your walls to be salvation and your protection to be salvation of God. It is his responsibility to save you if you put your trust in him. Now, we'll have other conversations with Genesis where we'll talk about, you know, what were the times that I did blame God and I did, you know, talk to him about how I felt that he didn't do a very good job of protecting me. All right, we'll get into that in future conversations, but tonight, Trust in him, trust in him because it is in him that he is going to give you that perfect peace. Because there used to be times when, when I couldn't wait to go to sleep so the day could just be over. I just needed the day to be over. And I don't think that it, there was never a dependency per se on sleeping pills, but it wouldn't be unusual for me for maybe one night a week or two nights a week that I took a sleeping pill because I just needed to forget. I just needed peace for a moment. I needed to find that some kind of way. And whether, no matter what it is that you are stressed about or that you're going through, I understand that. I understand that desire for silence in your mind for peace, for your body not to hurt because of the emotional pain, right? Because your body, my body did heal from the abuse, but my soul, that was another story. And that took a very long time. But when I started to learn how to apply scriptures in a way and to read it in a way that was really talking to me, and so if it's his responsibility to give me perfect peace, then I just need to trust in him. And it says, trust in the Lord forever because he is everlasting strength. And so I think in some ways what helped me was I still had a lot of little children inside and children are so easy to trust, right? You can, you can hurt them, you, you, but you can kind of make up with them rather quickly. They don't hold grudges long. <laughs> you know, just because the memory they forget. And so I remember having times when I'm sitting there reading the scripture and I would just be like, well, yes, I'm going to trust God because he said so. A child will do that. You tell a child that tomorrow we're going to Disney and they're like, okay, yay. You may not have a cent in your pocket, but they don't even doubt that. And so I love it when Jesus says, when he talks about coming to the kingdom as a little child with childlike faith, that requires you 
to not come with any agendas, to not come with any, well, he didn't do this before, or he didn't do so-and-so before. You let me down before, God. How about every day you just give God another chance, right? Just give him another, it's a fresh day. Just give him another chance because I promise you that if you come to him with that attitude, that in time you will begin to see your own blind spots because there's nothing wrong with his vision. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with his, his discernment. There's nothing wrong with his interpretation. He is well able to understand everything. He knows the agendas of everybody on this platform right now. I could say, oh man, I wonder what Coco could do to me and Hugh and Vernetta. Yeah, I'm, I have no idea. I don't even know, but I can tell you that God, the creator knows every single one of your thoughts right now. And so trust him because we, we can't possibly, I am still yet not able to say, let there be a coconut tree and have something come up out of the earth. I am not there yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. But if he can do that, then the power of his word and his mental capacity to understand everything about creation is great. You have nothing to lose. I know I'm talking to you. I'm trying to bargain with you to give God a break. Come to him every single day like a child. Like, you know what? I didn't understand everything that happened yesterday. I don't like what's coming up next week. But today, today it's just you. Surprise me, God. Amaze me. Amaze me. Where my prayers used to be, take me home because I just don't want to be here anymore. Now my prayers are, Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKadosh, every hour give me joy. Let me remember every hour. Let me embrace every hour of every day because he is amazing. I'm trying to tell you how amazing your creator is and in what he can do for you and what he can show you and what he can bring you. It, it's amazing. I'm just trying to tell you it's amazing. So, so trust him. And if you trust him and keep your mind on that trust, he will give you that perfect peace that you need. And there's not a one of us here that can't say that every day of our life, we would love to have perfect peace all the time. Right? So I'm going to stop here. Um, and I want to, I want to hear from people. So let's go Genesis, Felicia and Ken. Um, Brother Hugh, I know you raised your hand and I didn't see your, your question. So do you want to come up? Um, I, I did message him in the uh, inbox there. Uh, if he could put his question in there. I don't know if he saw that, but you might want to come up. Okay. Yeah. I accepted his hand raising. Come up, Hugh. How are you, sir? Shalom to you. It's just shalom. I'm, I'm very, very good. Um, I thank you so much for what you're doing. My everything I couldn't help but but think about um, the. I uh, and as I you know just thinking you know God always there's a there's another second chance you know there's there's a chance for the 
the one that has been um, hurt and what, whatever has been done to them, that they can recover. Hopefully, but some don't recover, but just right back to it again. That's what came to my mind. So they also, now, you know, they have a problem also even to, to do something like that. And I just wanted to hear that anybody, you know, on stage has something to say about how I was thinking. That was it. It wasn't, you know, anything major. It was just that. Repeat the, ask your question one more time. You wanted to know if anyone on the stage had a thought about, please say the statement what you were thinking. Yes, you know, the perpetrator, the ones that that do things to children and uh, people that's in a bad, uh, take advantage of people, um, you know, whether they are youth or whether they're not, but they're in a position to be taken advantage of and people take advantage of them to the point where they have their detrimented and I you know we're just thinking those people they either don't know what they're doing or um, they have a problem also so I just wanted to hear what you know people on the stage had to say about that okay I understand so thank you Hugh I'm gonna move you back down to the audience thank you and Genesis I saw you flash your mic so go ahead Sure. Um, if I understand you correctly, Hugh, you were, what I heard you say was, you know, um, the people who, the perpetrators, um, I just want to make sure, Regina, um, that I got his question yeah, correctly. Yeah, it was the, the perpetrator perpetrators. He was, he was wondering yeah. about the perpetrators. Mm -hmm. And if something had happened to them, is that what I heard? Correctly? Yes, he was saying, have we thought about is something happened mm -hmm. to them? What's wrong with them? Do they okay. know what they're doing? Sure. Okay. So I think that, you know, in terms of the, the, the research, right, that has, that has um, shown uh, when looking at perpetrators, let me come from this angle. People who have been abused don't always become perpetrators, right? So people who have been abused can grow up and never become perpetrators. But most of the time, perpetrators have been abused. So this is something that is familiar to them. Um, they may or may not see it as wrong. And often, um, because it's familiar and because it's happened to them, and typically it's happened early in life, they typically start offending on people early in life and keep going. So I... I hope that that answered. And then, and then in terms of mental health issues, I'm going to extend it to this and say a lot of them have mental health issues, but we don't blame the actions on the mental health issues, right? Because most people with mental health issues do not perpetrate. But if we are talking about the perpetrators, often they have mental health issues and often they have been offended on as children. And I hope I answered that question. Hugh, can you, you know, say like do something on your mic. <laughs> I mean, on your, or can he put a picture down there? Yeah, he can do a thumbs up or thumbs down. Okay. Yeah, Hugh, thank you, Hugh. Okay, got it. Um, and so I want to say that huh, I've thought a lot about perpetrators, um, people who abuse, and 
I just have come to understand that they need healing just like anybody else. Um, and that what always comes to me is God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And I, I know for myself, the kind of pain and, um, just, just, I would wish my life on anybody. But I have got to imagine that you, there's some real, real, real pain going on for you, for you to act that out on children. Now, we can talk about whether some people are just evil or just the devil themselves. Uh, no matter what, the devil is still not going to be a kind friend. You know, like he's not going to die for you. He, he's going to use you and toss you to the side. Evil will, you know, it's, it's not going to, when, um, when evil was done using the serpent, the serpent ended up from upright to slithering on his stomach, right? Evil is no friend to anybody, even if it may seem so at the time. And so we may think that we don't see enough justice done to the abuser, but it's not our call to bring the justice. We leave that up to the creator. And I've just had to be able to find peace with that. So I hope that also adds another point to abusers. So thank you for that question, Hugh. Um, I was, oh yes, I was asking the platform if they wanted to talk anything about trust and perfect peace and keeping your mind stayed on them. And then we're going to, um, I'm going to wrap up with a few verses from, from Psalms 139 and then we'll call it a night for this room. But any of you guys, Genesis, Felicia, Ken, want to talk about Isaiah 26 or peace? I, um, I love uh, the share so far. And when you were talking about trust, you know, we see in the scriptures, it says, you know, don't worry what you should eat, drink, wear. And um, when it comes to... And I'm trust, having trouble hearing you. Is that just me or is it, is his mic low? It, it sounds low. muffled. Muffled. Can you hear me now? Can you talk louder, sir? Okay. What I'm going to do... I'll talk the earphones out. Can you hear ah, me now? Ah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I really uh, love uh, what you were sharing um, about um, trust. And that's the beauty about faith. Faith produces trust. And uh, in the scriptures on Matthew 23, I think is uh, 6, 23 onwards, uh, we see an example there where Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you should eat, drink, or uh, wear. And... Uh, sometimes uh, some people can ignore worries that that can kind of cause its own kind of problems yet uh, sometimes some people are consumed by worry uh, they're so worried that it keeps their life in bondage so uh, we often go from one extreme to a, a another so what happens is Jesus offers us a different solution uh, to trust in God 
uh, trust that God that He's in control and trust in the Heavenly Father and not to ignore those problems, but uh, because that's not going to do any good. But neither should we be obsessed over the, these uh, problems and situations. And the answer, indeed, as you were saying, is to trust in the plan of God, trust in the care of our Heavenly Father. And trust has been something that God has been speaking to me about. And I love when you were talking about the peace part, um, because when you look at peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding, the peace should govern us, you know, no matter what situation and circumstance. And that's where we talk about dominion. Dominion also means to govern. So the peace of God should govern us. Uh, the joy of God should govern us. So, you know, um, that's kind of what I want to add to that point. We can talk a lot about dominion, mandate, and everything else, but you are on point. And I just want to say this, just to encourage you also. I love the fact that you can share um, stuff because you're an advocate of more, uh, mental health. And we got, as I said before, uh, just like uh, um, Felicia, and uh, a qualified uh, mental health therapist in Genesis. But I love the way that, the way um, your room, uh, the way that you share, not only your testimony, but also um, how careful you are and what you share. Not everybody does that. But you're also careful um, of the way that you um, bring out scriptures. So it's obvious that you've done a lot of your own personal study concerning the scriptures that you also want to be about delivering the word of God accurately. And I think that's so important. So that's all I'm going to share for now. But uh, again, I've really enjoyed this room. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Felicia. Oh, I really, to be honest, I, you know, I, I don't really have anything. I mean, I am literally absorbing um, what you're saying, and I'm looking to learn more, even as I'm interviewing you, right? I'm absorbing the information and just, I'm really looking forward actually to the next one, Regina. I'm sorry, Felicia, for, um, jumping in front of you. I just really wanted to say that I don't have anything else except to say that, you know, your bravery is very admirable, honestly, because I do understand, um, you know, how difficult, Expo you know, this is like an exposure and you're doing it for the people of God. So um, I just, you know, I, I just, I appreciate you. I admire you. And I'm just looking forward to more of this. Felicia, I'm sorry. Go right ahead. I just thought before you jump in, Queen Felicia, <laughs> if, if everybody in the audience, if you have enjoyed the room, just put some comments in the chat. Um, that'll be a great encouragement going forward. Go ahead, Queen. No worries, y'all. No worries. Um I, yeah, this approach was just uh, the bomb.com.net.org. Um, it was that good. Um, I just wanted to add about the trust and the peace. It's, it's, to me, it's crazy how um, traumas and, you know, when you're abused and the things that you go through, how early on, how the enemy wants to kind of take you out, cause you to not trust, cause you to not have faith but how God works it into a place of where we walk with him and we attain that faith and that trust in him. And furthermore, it just confirms to me the love of God, the redemption of, of what he does that there is, when God says that nothing is going to separate us from his love, that there's nothing, there's nothing in the present nor the future. There's no devil, no demon, no angel, 
no power, nothing that's going to separate. There's absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing that, you know, and I know that it's not easy, especially I know what trauma is. I've, I've walked through it and I know, so I know it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to go through. But when we rely on the word of God and when we look to the word of God, and most of all, when we, we know how much we're loved, because there, there's, there was, there's been times I could just feel the love of God. You know, I could feel it when I was going through some really rough moments, but um, just on the trust and the peace what that brings, you know, into your life when you begin to trust and you begin to have peace and allow God to just take over. It is just, it creates a whole different atmosphere on how to deal with the trauma and how to deal with those. I'm not going to say it's the most easiest thing, but yes, it can be done. It can, it absolutely can be done. And so, um, this was so good. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say either. I'm kind of blown away. This is really, really good. Uh, and I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by you, Regina. I'm encouraged by you, Genesis. I'm encouraged by you, King Ken. I'm encouraged by you all just by the fact that we're all sitting here talking about something that is so important, so vital, so necessary. And I know that the people are hungry for this because there. Are, this is, look, like, like it has gone on long enough, but today the buck stops here. We are talking about it. We are... Um, bringing it to the forefront and, uh, healing and deliverance, you know, it will be done in Jesus name. And so I yield my mic. Amen. Amen. If I can jump back in real quick, Regina, um, mm -hmm. and then let it, let it go to you. I do want to talk about it when, when, uh, Felicia was talking, I did remember that I did want to say this about trust, right? Because that that's huge. When we look at, um, when we look at God as a father, right? I did want to mention this, that many people, you know, may not have had a great relationship with their father and you, you know, described what yours was. So if we are told that God is the father, right? And our perception or our um, perspective of a father is one way, we're going to be transferring that over to God sometimes. And so that can put you know, a difficult um, block in the relationship with, with the Father. And so it requires word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's, it requires word to be able to start building that trust in the Father. I did want, um, I don't know, I wanted S. Cuffey had a question about how to begin to trust when trust has been broken. And I just wanted um, them to come up. Are we talking about trust with with um, trust with the father or trust in terms of in relationships in general. So I, I wanted to be able to answer that question um, accurately. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go now, Regina. Um, yes, Miss Cuffy. <laughs> I know and love Miss Cuffy. Um, but you do have to let us know, Cuffy, if you mean with God or if you mean with humans. Um, and so that would be helpful for us so we could tell which one and, and what aspect you're coming from. Um, let's see. Ah, there we go. Hey, Miss Cuffy. Uh, shalom. Hello. Uh, hello to everybody. Love you too, Regina. Yeah, here's my question. It's actually kind of two-sided. So 
even with uh, people who might have some semblance of a relationship with the father when their trust has been broken by human beings. It really <laughs> uh, hinders that. Uh, it really renders them in, in not able to have a trust relationship with the father because they're they're still trying to. Uh, they're still not trying to, but they still put the father in the box and kind of uh, put all of his things in as a man and not as the ruler and creator and the highest form of love. So uh, how do you begin to trust uh, God when you can't see him, barely feel him? And and the only uh, kind of thing that you can refer back to as far as trust goes is how uh, human beings have hurt you. Like, I get what you're saying. Uh, but it's, it's very hard to do. Is there a way uh, um, a person would begin to make that trek? Because what they want is deliverance and they want to be free. And they are moved by the Holy Spirit, even even if they don't know, but they still have that trauma. And it is it's really kind of mucked things up with them being able to trust uh the being, you know, that you can't really see or touch or even have understanding of the words. So that's my question. Also, I have another question real quick. How could the church uh, better equip the members uh, to not be ashamed of mental illness and better help them? to to go through the journey of healing where they're not always being, you know, slathered with oil and, you know, say they have demons. Although it's, I, I feel like there's some truth to that too, but that really they, it's just like being physically ill. If you're physically ill, you have to, you go on your journey of healing the things you can actually do, but it's different when you're mentally ill you're this and that so yeah that's it thank you very much that's my mic okay um if we could just keep her up here until we answer everything i think that would be helpful for me um so i'll start and then uh anyone else who wants to add um so so here's a good example Cuffy is in fellowship with me. We have the same apostle, but we also study together on Sabbath. So there's a level of trust that she has with me. Um, and she's seen my integrity even before knowing my story. So what I'm about to say <laughs> is going to be a little hard. And it's not directed at her. But I'm going to say when it comes to trust with the father, just do it. Because there is no human that can make the sun rise or the sun set, can make the breeze blow, can create earth, can create sunlight, can create flowers. There is no 
human being on earth that can know your thoughts from the beginning to the end. There is no one, there is nobody on this planet or born yet, except for Yeshua, that is deserving of your trust the way that God is. The fact that we take our human viewpoint and put on him is our bad, not his. And it's as simple as making a decision. The thing is, is that we want to have all these feelings about the decision, right? We, we want to put in all of these different, um, we want to struggle with that. Like when you go to eat, you just sit down in the chair. You don't rock the chair unless every single time you've sat down in a chair, the chair is broken. You normally don't check the chair before you sit down in it. You just sit in it. Why? Because you just trust it. It's not done anything to you. And see, that's the thing. The hard part of trusting God is because we believe he did something bad to us. And when you can be truthful about the fact that he has not done anything bad to you, you will not have a hard time trusting him. So when you, when we talk about trust and you say, God, I want to trust you. Well, why don't you? Cause he's not done anything bad to you. He's not harmed you in any way. People have, oh, people have disappointed us greatly, you know, and we could say, well, you didn't, I prayed about this and you didn't give me that, or it didn't go the way I thought. Okay. But still, did he do anything bad to you just because you didn't get it the way you wanted it to be right and whether you believed a prophet or you believed something and it didn't turn out that way that is not that is not god's fault that's a very hard place to be right and i i understand that but it's really as simple as making the decision that God, you know what? You didn't hurt me. You haven't done anything bad to me. So I'm just going to trust you. And if you do that, then you continue to build a relationship with him on that alone. You don't judge him for other people's actions because that's what we're doing is we're judging him. We're being prejudiced. We are profiling God based on what other people have done. So let's just stop profiling him and let's just trust him. Now, to strengthen that, I would read scripture that once again kind of enforces his trust for us, that, that we can trust him. And so um, one of the things that I had said to the, to the, uh, to uh, Felicia and um, in Genesis earlier, it was from Isaiah um, 41, I believe it was. Oops, I want to read it. Um, Isaiah 41, I think it was verse 10. Ah, so here's the scripture to memorize. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. It is 
not his intention to let you fall. It is not his intention to bring harm to you. It's really not. So begin to believe his word. And the best way to do that is to start memorizing scripture that speaks about trusting him because it's about your mouth. If you say and confess that you trust him, you will create environments where you trust him. You will create a lifestyle where you trust him. And so you've got to speak those things. Our apostles always saying we live in a voice activated world, right? And we can tell that from Genesis 1. So speak out the different scriptures that speak on trust. So that's number one. Question number two. Before I go to question number two, anyone else on the panel want to address anything about question number one? I, I just I just think that, um, as I said before, um, faith produces trust. Um, not only do we have to have the faith, our faith is in God, but we also have to have faith in what the Word of God says about us. And when we talk about um, dominion, uh, we have to dominate in a way that we think. The kingdom has to dominate in our mindset and how we think. As a man thinketh, so is he. So when we talk about dominion also, we're also talking about mindset. Um, things are not supposed, situations and circumstances are not supposed to dominate us. Drugs are not supposed to dominate us. Sickness is not supposed to dominate us. God has given us dominion um, over these things. So that's all I'm going to share on that. Thank you, King Ken. Anyone else before we get to number two? Okay. So question number two about the church. I would say if you fall down and break your arm, you don't go to a dentist. You show up at the dentist with your broken arm and demand that because he's a doctor, he should know what to do. I think we expect the church to do things that they are not possibly equipped to do. And that's not fair. Um, we, we, put this responsibility on them to provide financially, to cover, to comfort, to heal, to do. That's not their job. That's not, there's only one person who has that job and his name is Jehovah. He has that job. Now he's entrusted the church to deliver his message and the message should be that there is healing in the word of God. And that message should be then if I don't know what to do, I should bring people in who know what to do. Right. And so the dentist should tell you, Hey, there's a walk-in clinic next door. They can probably fix your broken arm. Now, the thing that needs to happen um, with our churches is that we don't know how to collaborate. It's one of the reasons I love this kingdom collaborative room, this kingdom collaborative house is because they can bring in people who have experience and expertise and some knowledge on that. One of the things that Felicia has been working on and doing is trying to get the church to have more conversations about mental health and they just don't want to. 
And so, again, I would say, shame on us that we keep going. If you keep going to the dentist when you have a broken arm, when you have a headache, when you break your foot, um, you know, if you need new glasses, uh, you need to stop doing that. And so if we know that the church cannot help, don't put it on them. It's not their responsibility. You say, Jehovah, I need someone who can help me with this situation. And you go to the person that he leads you to. Now, I understand mental health is, you know, it's kind of that it's, there are a lot of things that were like, oh, well, I want to go to a Christian. I want to go to somebody who knows God. Well, I'll tell you, if you have a bullet in you and you need a doctor, as long as that doctor knows how to operate and has been successful with removing bullets and people live, I don't think it should matter to you that whether or not they know God or not. You need to trust the Father. If they have the skills to do what needs to be done. Now, the thing around counseling, I really get that. And so in that case, you probably want to look for a Christian therapist. And they're out there. They exist. Um, there's good and bad, <laughs> Christian or not. And there's some really great non-Christian counselors as well. Again, trust the Father to guide you, to lead you. Um, uh, do references. And um, I was in a room earlier today and the person giving advice said, you should date your counselor. So whoever it is that you think you're going to get counseling with, date them. Make sure you like them. Make sure you're comfortable with them. Make sure you can respect them. If your spidey sense goes off when you're in there, trust that, you know, and if it goes off with every single one, then maybe you're not ready to date yet. And maybe you're just not ready for counseling yet. That is a possibility. But then when you're ready, get back out in the game, but look for the right person um, to help you. And if it's about finances, then make sure that, you know, you pray to the Father, and as you hear my story and I talk a, a more about it, I mean, I only had counseling for a little while, um, but I was able to walk through the rest of it with with God. And so I see you, Genesis. I'm gonna get to you in just a second. Um, so those are the those are some of the advice that I would say about the church. Um, so go ahead, Genesis. Yes, I just wanted to follow up on um, you were doing a great job talking about the relationship between you and the counselor. That is actually, it's there's a, it's actually a thing. It's called the therapeutic relationship. And what I tell um, clients, like often, you know, before a client will engage in a contract with me, and the contract is loose, right? It's just kind of like, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna let me know if you're 24 hours ahead, if you're canceling and really telling what I provide to them, right? It's called informed consent. Um, you know, I, I do like a consultation and we do like a, you know, a little, I answer their questions and let them know. So ask if you're looking for a therapist, right? Ask them, Hey, do you have consult free consultation? Most will. They'll give you 10, 15 minutes. You go back and forth, kind of talking and getting a feel of the person. If you, and like Regina said, like if your spidey senses go off, or even if you're just not compatible, because it is a relationship that requires you to be open. Like it's the therapist, like that's the person that you can tell anything to. It's confidential and so on. So you really wanna make sure you're comfortable with your therapist um, so you can have the best um, relationship and the best outcome of therapy. So I just wanted to kind of reiterate what you said, um, Regina. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Um, yes, Felicia, go ahead. It looks like we have a question from Hugh. Uh, I want to go ahead, if you want to go ahead and bring him up. I, I think we want to, uh, Hugh and everybody else, as we said, if you can put the question in the chat room, um, that would be preferable unless you have to come up and ask the question. I do want to say something and as far as the, um, the aspect of the church. Um, here in Arizona, I have been going to different churches, um, the ones who want to have that uh, interaction and that awareness to come in. And um, like Regina said, not, not all of them do. Not all of them do, but I, I think what helps um, and what I've seen and what I've experienced, um, even with myself sitting in church and going through um, the things I was dealing with and not really having people to really understand me is that, and this is what we talk about, um, is acknowledging that um, this is real, that people really are struggling. And yes, sometimes it could be a demon, but then there are times that it's medical. Sometimes it's the trauma. Sometimes it's even seasonal. People can actually develop an illness from it being seasonal, the seasons. And as, and, and as that might seem, you know, like something like, wow, really? But yes, that, that can happen. And I think is the church is acknowledging, yes, it's not their, you know, it's not their responsibility, but it is to acknowledge when someone is actually be going through because the first place that a person majority of the time runs to is the church for some type of help or support. And I think it's important to acknowledge that that is real, that it is happening, that there are, you know, individuals who are struggling with a mental illness. You know, a lot of times too, it can be from losing someone. You know, there's so many just different reasons of why, but acknowledging it and, you know, even getting the proper, um, we, in the church, we have, we have groups for so many things, you know, we have groups for those who have lost, you know, uh, family members or friends. We, we have just so many different groups and, but we don't have a group. We don't have something, you know, for people who are struggling. I just, to, to, to come and to answer that question is just acknowledging really acknowledging that it's there, that it's, it is something real that's happening. Um, and like I said, we do try to come in and we do try to get the churches to, you know, have uh, presentations and have people come in and talk about to bring awareness. And there are some that will do it, but then there are some that won't. And that, you know, that's understandable, but I think acknowledging is the first step. Are you good, Cuffy? We can put you back down. I don't, that sounds bad. Yes, I'm good. <laughs> we, we will escort you to the VIP section, put you back down. Oh my gosh, yes. that's horrible. <laughs> Thank that you sounds so better. much. <laughs> put her back down. Ow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, can I address that church um, um, thing as well, if that's okay, Regina? Of course, of course. Um, I I notice in a lot of the rooms, and this is why we have kingdom rooms. The church topic always comes up. Um, Jesus never said seek first the church. He said seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And it's really important that we understand that because Jesus gave us the key, secret key to have everything we need in life. And it's simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if, seek, uh, if seeking God's kingdom and righteousness is so vital and foundation, so foundational to uh, enjoying the life that God wants us to live, then shouldn't we understand what God's kingdom and righteousness really is? Because there's so many benefits for seeking first the kingdom of God. And when you understand why Jesus wants you to understand the kingdom first, because the kingdom was here before the church. And so the kingdom becomes the, a major focus. The kingdom and the church are not synonymous. It's the kingdom that sets the standard in how we live, not the church. You see, the Catholic Church always comes on the media and they say, well, this is the church's position. Well, according to Jesus, it was always the, the kingdom sets the standard. Why Jesus also said, seek first the kingdom of God, because the kingdom is the highest order of truth. So he wants to elevate your focus above man-made government, religion, and everything else. That's, that's why he does that. And a lot of times I feel church people need to be recultured back to the culture of God's kingdom, whether it's religious culture, whether it's worldly culture, whether it's church culture or your own culture, no matter what country you come from, we have to be recultured back to kingdom culture. And that's all I'm going to share for now. That was good. Thank you, King Ken. Ha, I was sending a message. Sorry, I couldn't get to my mic. Um, yeah, uh, amazing. And that's why I love um, this team that I have. Uh, I think it's great. Um, been very blessed by this. And we could talk about so many things, but uh, I think this is enough. Um, I do, I'm going to close this out and I'm actually going to uh, just read a scripture to you in closing. And it's one I read in our room before. I mean, so I'm going to read one Psalms 139. And this is probably one of the most comforting to me um, scriptures. And if you study and if you put this to memory, I, I promise you, I promise you, your outlook on everything uh, will change. So, um, room, I'm going to read Psalms 139, and then we're going to close the room. And uh, we want everyone to know that we so appreciate you taking your time to be here. Um, you can share the replays, and as soon as um, this is posted on um, on YouTube, at least you'll be able to share it with uh, other people who are not on Clubhouse. And we look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Bring a friend, tell some people. And we do look forward to your feedback as well. We were seeing some of your comments in the thread, so thank you for those. Uh, be sure to back channel any one of us with your suggestions or your thoughts. But um, we just hope that you have been able to, to glean from this. And um, I hope that you didn't see that it, it's not a show about Regina, right? But that this is, we're talking about kingdom principles. We're talking about healing and faith, and we're just looking at it through a framework of mental health. Okay, so Psalm 139, I'm going to read that, and then we're going to close the room. And this will be our closing prayer as well. 
So, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my downsittings and my uprisings, and you understand my thoughts afar off. You have encompassed my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have been behind me and before me, and you've laid thy hand, your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. And where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into the heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you have possessed my soul, my mind, and you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully, remarkably, and wonderfully made, and marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth that very well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret, and wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Thine eyes, you saw my substance being unperfect. And in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sands. And when I awake, I am still with thee. Surely you will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men, for you speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those who rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred, and I count them mine enemies. So search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Team, will you say goodnight to everybody, and we will count down the room. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you for coming. Good night, everyone. Have a blessed night. This room will end in three, two, and one. This is the end of our discussion for tonight. You have been listening to Mental Health 101, Lessons from a Survivor. We hope that you've enjoyed it and the great conversation with our team. You are welcome to join the conversation on the Clubhouse app. Please look for us under the Kingdom Collaborative House every Thursday night, 9 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We want you to know that this has been done in collaboration with youareremarkable.org, a platform that was created to inform, assist, and encourage anyone looking to improve, strengthen, or restore their mental health in a way that aligns with Elohim, our Creator's original purpose for humanity. We hope to see you next week.
Shalom. Shalom.